Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of season two of this here, our hashtag Pooligans podcast. I'm your total heathen of a host. My name is Daniel, and you can follow me on Twitter at D underscore twit, and you can follow the podcast for all your episode needs at Pooligans Pod. If you couldn't already tell, I'm a bit under the weather, so I apologize for my sniffly voice, despite the fact that Southern California appears to be one of the few places in the United States not currently afflicted by sub-zero temperatures, I somehow managed to catch an incredibly annoying cold. So, on this particular occasion, I will not bore you with an intro, and instead, we'll go to our energetic, totally not sniffly bumper, and meet two brand new, excellent Pooligans. Ladies and gentlemen, please stay warm, take care of yourself, drive carefully, and let's listen to our new friends. What's a minute late? What can I say? Um, I'm deliberately talking quietly because my kids say I scream, so. Because you can always dub it down. I'm, I'm glad that we still got to enjoy that on this recording. This whole thing is going to stay in. What that clock? That, what you're currently hearing is is a grandfather clock that is located in one of our guests' room where they're taping. This grandfather clock will be with us every 15 minutes. So by the end of the podcast, if you can tell us accurately how many times the <laughs> clock has chimed, you will win a insignificant but real prize. That is my that is my solemn promise to all of you <laughs> listeners. And now. <laughs> and now we will begin with the podcast. Hi, everyone. We are here with, with two new Meet the Pooligan victims. I have today two for you. They are completely fresh. Our first guest is a new Twitter aficionado. She hasn't been on for very long. She is, however, a very dedicated Pooligans podcast listener, for which we would all like to thank her a lot. She's also a former history teacher. You can, should, and must follow her at Druff. M. I will spell it for you. That's D R U double F like French fries and the letter M like Michael. Hi, Melissa. Hi. Our second guest is much more experienced at doing this than I am, as a matter of fact, because he has done hundreds of podcast episodes, whereas I am new to this entire endeavor and am thusly completely intimidated at the moment. His real name is Matthew. You can follow him at Crime for God and. You can follow his podcast and should listen to the episodes at www.inthenameofgodpodcast.com. Name of God Podcast is the name that the Twitter account is under. Matt, hi. Hey there. Matthew, hi. <laughs> there you go. I'm already, I'm, see, I told you I'm totally intimidated. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. That's okay. There's a language barrier. You know, I'm on the West Coast and I'm in Los Angeles. I have absolutely no excuse. Oh, well, yeah, except for you're where it's warm and, you know, up here it's, it's a chilly 50. That's so. right. No, That's... I got you beat. It's 20 here. <laughs> Is that Kelvin or Fahrenheit? Uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> Burr. Burr wow. is all I can say. Today, we here, it was a chilly 75 degrees. Tomorrow, luckily, we're expecting 77, so it's warming up a little bit. Well, that's not bad. I'm, I'm headed down to uh, Arizona here, middle of the week, for one of the uh, off-road races, one of the, the big monster truck deals. So mm -hmm. we were all excited looking at the forecast because it's going to be about 65 to 70 during the day. So mm -hmm. I'm going to bring shorts. <laughs> That's always a good thing to Why wear. Why aren't a car. you wearing shorts if it was fifty-five? Uh, well, it's kind of a long story, but I'm putting in a, a steel building out back 
and uh, the yards uh, dug up, gotcha. and it's just been today's been actually on the scale of one to say twenty, twenty being the best, one being the crappiest. Today was about a four. Everything just kept falling apart and not going right. Oh. Mm. It's one of those things where I'm not one to rely on other people. It just drives me nutty. And this, today was a reminder of why I have that as a, as a value choice. You know, that actually also brings us to our first uh, feature that we're going to use right here. Usually we only do that on the weekend episodes, but what the hell? I can do whatever I want. It's 2019. It is the weekend. It is the weekend, right? Technically yes. speaking. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Melissa. And that is why we're going to do our what the fuck meter. I don't know whether both of you are familiar with this particular show feature. <laughs> I uh, am. Please tell. Matthew, have you heard of what the fuck meter? <laughs> no. <laughs> it is something that our heathens on our show do. It is called the what the fuck meter. And what it is, is that we rate how we currently feel our, our own current temperature, mostly related to our, to the political climate. But if you would like it, it can also be applied to backyard building. So uh. the meter goes from one, you are comfortably sated, are sitting in an easy chair, eating some grapes, enjoying some soft cheeses, to a 10, which is you are coated in honey and are currently rolling around in a hill of fire ants. <laughs> uh, the, the, the scale has been extended by some. Uh, unruly Julie, one of our other guests, once memorably extended it to a Mac 3. <laughs> she, had a, she had a bad day that day. Well, there um, you go. But but we'll start from there. Melissa, who has more experience hearing how this particular meter goes, so she will demonstrate. Melissa, uh, where are you today on the what the fuck meter, ma'am? Well, it depends on whether it was before or after Trump let the government go back to work. Mm. Um, I was about an eight or a nine before, and I'm probably a seven or an eight now because I don't trust him. Um, mm-hmm. not to do his little emergency declaration on February the 16th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very fair. So she's still pretty much up there. Matthew, after a day of exhausting building in your backyard <laughs> and some political news, where are you at, my friend? Well, I'll leave, uh, <laughs> I'll leave all the, the uh, inspectors and all that other mm. stuff that I've been dealing with here uh, off the table because it's just frustrating and I want to pound my head on the desk. And I'll stick right with the uh, the political side. Now, keep in mind, and something I don't, you may not know, I'm actually one of the people that's affected by that. Um, mm. I, I'm actually a, uh, a former federal employee that my pension is not, well, it would have not been uh, paid until what was it about three o'clock i guess our time here in the west coast mm-hmm. when uh mr trump decided to um let me see if i can put this the most delicate way possible cave like a and and i'm saying that like a good thing so because mm-hmm. i get paid now so i'm not so bad i'm not, I'm not unhappy so but i'm gonna go with a solid five and the reason i say that is because i am politically agnostic and i mean that by the textbook definition and that is to say that I am open to the idea of a wholesome, good, trustworthy, and, well, thorough pop- politician, but I've yet to see any evidence of one. Yeah, those are, those are uh, rather mythological, I believe, at this point. <laughs> it's the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, it's the, it's the, unicorn, of the, <laughs> uh, the unicorn of Washington, D.C. that is spoken about but rarely seen. Uh, And actually, that was also a wonderful segue to our first question, which is on our on our uh, questionnaire. Matthew, I don't know whether you're familiar with our little questionnaire, but we're going to start our little questionnaire session. And our questionnaire always 
rather reliably starts with the question, where do you find yourself on the spectrum uh, of of the politics at the moment as we're discussing this? So we'll, we'll, we'll give it to Melissa first. Melissa, where would you say you fall on the political spectrum as we're recording this? I like to think of myself as being independent, but the older I get, I tend to keep leaning farther and farther left because I see I have four grandchildren. And right now I see the next 40 years of their 40 to 50 years of their life is not going to be with the same freedoms that I have enjoyed in the last 40 to 50 years because I'm not certain what this Supreme Court is going to do. Matthew, where do you fall on the political spectrum? Well, uh, it's such a complicated question for me. Um, and I want to give you a little bit of background on it before I answer it. The uh, One of the things with, with my uh, background with the government was I was in a position to uh, read firsthand both the CIA and the FBI threat assessments uh, after the September 11th attacks in New York City. And I can remember holding in my hand, and all of our intel stuff at the time was uh, uh, printed on yellow paper. I can remember holding the yellow paper and reading the classified intel and watching the president and watching the uh, then Secretary of State Colin Powell on television saying the exact opposite of what I was reading. And I was pretty damn low on the pecking order of, you know, being a, a government worker and to watch them lie. And then the other thing about that, that just drives me bug nutty is that it's the same irrespective of the party. The politicians are going to tell you exactly the minimum necessary to get across what they want to do. Now I have some problems with our current administration because I lived in New York and I knew all about this guy before he became a president. Um, and although I have never seen his television show because I'm not much of a television guy, leaving that off the table, I, I can't – just drive, he drives me nutty as well. But here's the solution that I have that everybody in the state of Nevada has. When you go to the polls to vote, you can select as an option – None of the above listed candidates. Melissa, I'm going to let you address that. Do you think that that particular, what do you think about that particular approach? I like the fact that he votes because I don't feel you have the right to bitch if you haven't voted. So Mm -hmm. anybody who's, I hear bitching one way or the other, right, left, in the middle, I say, did you vote? And if they say no, I then tell them they don't have the right to say anything. And and that's not unfair at all. I think that's a written appropriate response. I don't know how I feel about selecting none of the above because I'm trying to recall if any on the ba- if on any of the ballots here in Virginia I've ever had that option, and I don't recall having that option. I believe that Nevada is actually the only state that does. It's it's written in our state laws. We have some great laws out here, and very few of them. Who do you feel that vote ultimately goes to the to the none of the above? Who? Is or in maybe that's also particular to Nevada. Who does that ultimately in Nevada in particular enable? Um, It's hard to say because the the demographics here are somewhat peculiar. Clark County, which is uh, Las Vegas, Clark County alone can outvote the entire state of Nevada. So it makes no difference what you want to do. So Mm -hmm. the way that Clark County wants to go is the way that the rest of the state is going to go. 
New York's where I lived in New York. I'm originally from upstate uh, by Syracuse, Cooperstown, in that area. It was the same thing that we had where the metropolitan yeah. New York City area, the direction that they voted. And see, we have the same thing in we have the same thing in Virginia, Richmond, uh, Norfolk, and Northern Virginia can outvote the rest of Virginia. Right, and, and that's I didn't realize that, but now that you say that, that does make sense. Uh, yeah, and it, it's just it's frustrating. So my my mo when I vote is if I do not have an opinion on the candidate, for example, um, I don't know, pick pick an obscure municipal office. If I don't care who the tax collector is because mm-hmm. I, I just don't care, I'm not going to vote for one or the other. I'm going to choose none of the above listed candidates. Okay. Um, this last time through with Mr. Trump and Mrs. Clinton, um, I had the opportunity to fly Mrs. Clinton when I was a professional pilot. And she was uh, – I think she was – I don't remember if she was a senator or not. It was during the John Kerry election, so whatever – her position mm-hmm. was at that point. Nonetheless, she is by far one of the nicest human beings I've ever, mm-hmm. ever met. And it's really weird because uh, even my friends who uh, – some of the guys I know that used to fly like the KC-135s, uh, the, the refuelers and the support when she was first lady, are so right-wing that they make Ron Reagan look like a child pornographer. But they say the exact same thing. They want like, I want to hate her, but she's lovely. And my mentality was, well, how come you're not portraying that to the American public? You might have got elected because but, she doesn't uh, it, come up. It, she doesn't come. Out, and it's so funny, Daniel, that you pulled the two of us together because I lived in Arkansas when he was governor, and my next door neighbors were real big mucky mucks in the Arkansas Democratic Party, and I have had dinner with Bill and Hillary several occasions, and my brother-in-law worked with her in the law firm in Little Rock, and they worked on, they did all their cases together. So what you're saying is, but she doesn't come across that way. She's too stiff. She she can't relax and be herself. Did you find that at dinner in that company, she was relaxed and and Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're both, she is as, to me, she was as personable as Bill is, when you because he comes across through the television and and whatever as not stiff and she to me was exactly the same way that he is when you're at dinner when you're at a political fundraiser and all of that kind of stuff but you don't see that from her on television as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. that, that's a really good point I know that on the press pool frequently when people spoke about her even people who wrote extensive pieces or even books on her, they frequently reference the fact that she just does not come mm-hmm. across, even though people who know her in person will tell you that she's funny, that she's personable, that she has a sense of humor, that, and none of that was nope. was evident. Nope. No, and, and that's interesting because there's also the other side of the coin, which is, you know, everybody that wants to sell a, a book on the uh, on the Walmart table is like I was an investigator for this, and I knew them, and she's horrible, and you know, so you get both sides of it. Yep. But I can only speak from personal experience, and I'm really super happy that Melissa has a similar experience. I don't feel so left out now. 
Mm-hmm. No, you're you're a perfect couple. This is I, that, I did this Melissa, on purpose, of course, Melissa, because I knew you want all to, of this in advance. Melissa, do you want to go steady now? Sure, why not? <laughs> Although it, you're, I'm probably robbing the cradle if I go steady with you. So hey, you know, come on. 17, <laughs> was it 2019? It might just be about the clock, Melissa. I don't know. Oh, it could know be because he loves my clock. This is true. It loves your yeah. clock. It loves your clock. And I think that we'll probably leave this particular sentence right there. <laughs> no, that was that was not a, that was not a euphemism. He really loves her clock. We will reinvestigate the mystery of the loved clock in a little bit at the end. But first, we will first we will we will veer back into our regular into our regular questionnaire, which of course now goes toward the POTUS press pool. Let's ask first before we go into that. I know Melissa is a very serious POTUS Press Pool listener. This, I'm I'm assured. Matthew, how about you? Are you a, are you a regular listener? I, I am, I would say, probably a 70% listener. Uh, if I am in my vehicle or doing a project where I can have my headphones on, absolutely. It's the only station that I, that I listen to regularly uh, for any sort of a, a, a news thing. Um, the other parts, I, I tend to be busy. You know, sometimes I just can't get to it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't got mm-hmm. my brain around uh, downloading somebody else's show because I have enough of that going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so we have some work to do on Matthew. Uh, <laughs> we're going to write that down. That's right. Work on Matthew, listenership, mm, fair, but not great. Okay. <laughs> send, um, send some so, people around. <laughs> still 70% still qualifies you for the questionnaire. So here we go. Uh, Melissa, do you remember the moment that the POTUS press pool came into your life? POTUS press pool came into my life when it was the POTUS channel as president of the United States. What was that? 2007, 2008? Um, Damn. Before it became uh, politics of the United States for the people of the United States. And after Obama was elected... Um, I stopped listening to satellite radio because my car didn't have one uh, during that period of time. And then when I came back to POTUS, all of a sudden it had become politics of the United States for the people of the United States. And I went, oh, that's interesting. They changed their name while I was away. I remember catching up with Julie. The first time that I distinctly remember listening to her was when they were at the... Republican National Convention in 2016, and she was interviewing Jimmy Williams, who does um, Decode DC, or used to do Decode DC. And I, mm-hmm. um, they had so much fun together, and we all love her laugh. And he has, they were laughing together, and I thought, I need to listen to this lady, and I also need to listen to his podcast, which he doesn't do anymore, but I was a faithful listener of his podcast. Um, but that's when I remember actually glomming on to Julie and going, I really need to make an effort to listen to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent origin story. She totally just flexed on you, Matthew, so... I don't know what you're going to come back with, but Matthew, when do you remember first listening to the POTUS press pool? Um, I'm I'm pretty lame, and I mean that you know in real life as well as online. Um, the, uh, I don't remember. The uh, I, I have a friend who's um, part of the leadership team over at SiriusXM, and I've known him for a number of years, and I'd never I didn't even have it. As a matter of fact, the first time I got SiriusXM, uh, they offer a weather package. That they will beam it into a uh, an airplane radar, and I was tracking radar, and 
I, I swear to God. And on the back, on the back side of this whole package was like all these channels that I'd never listened to. And POTUS was one of them. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's just, that's a good story. I like that. That's amazing. I've never heard that one either. D- tonight is going to be a very special night for all of those who could not tell. This is a gentleman who started listening to Julie because he needed weather news in his airplane. <laughs> it is going to be a special night. Does that mean that you and I are going to go steady now? <laughs> yes. Although I, I, all, all I have is some old swatch watches from the 80s. <laughs> So I I don't know whether you're making the best choice, but we can discuss at the end. That's right. What brings you back, would you say, Melissa, on a daily basis to listening to Julie versus all the other offerings? She also listens to other podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. I know we will not hold that against her, but she does. She revealed that earlier. What is it that brings you back to the press pool, Melissa? I think that she's uh, either she's muted. Oh. Let's see whether she muted herself by accident or on purpose. I muted, I muted myself and I didn't. I had to cough and I forgot to unmute myself. So, uh, Under no circumstances, edit that out. Welcome back, <laughs> Melissa. After your, We're sorry about your fit of coughing, but we hope that you recover. Yeah, well, I'm trying to be professional here. What can I say? Well, that makes one of us. Um, what was the question, exactly. Daniel? Uh, what, what keeps me listening to Julie? Um, yeah, when you're not coughing, what is it that brings you back? The variety of reporters that she has on and interviews. Um, I read several, like the Times articles and the Post articles I read online, and I can just about always count on one of those two lead reporters showing up on her show, usually in, for me, the three o'clock hour. Um, and you just get a more in depth to how they found out the information that they wrote in their story. And then she interviews authors. And I have a son who is, um, nonfiction reader and, and he's very political. And the many of the books, authors that she has interviewed on the show, I have either given to him to read or recommended them to him to read and, I think it's just the variety of what she presents. She is presents from both sides and from the middle, and she makes it interesting. And then to find out after listening to your last podcast that she runs the soundboard herself, that one blew me away. So Yeah, she's a stone-cold pro. As easy and breezy yeah, as she makes it sound, she she's a stone-cold pro. Reads twi- tweets, listens to people, r- clicks phone calls in and out muffles things, hides her cough, reaches over because she's too short. How she does all of that is, it's amazing to me because I have seen soundboards like that. And um, she's pretty, pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not an easy endeavor. Uh, Matthew, the 70% of the time that you do listen, uh, what what brings you back to listening? Uh, I would have to say it's her bumper music. The fact that she'll play the Smiths coming in and out is just awesome. (laughs) <laughs> it's the bumper music okay now we'll just leave it at that <laughs> okay <good> no. <laughs> but you know it's funny that you say that because um when she first came on or the first time i came across her i had listened to a couple shows and it was like oh it's kind of neat and then she talked about doing her 
roundtable on Friday afternoon. Yeah, I like the roundtable. And the way that it was presented was essentially, hey, come listen to my show. I'm going to have all these reporters on Friday, and we're going to talk about what they've been doing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I cannot think of something more fucking boring in my entire life to listen to a bunch of reporters sit around and talk about themselves. <laughs> Boy, were you in for surprise. <laughs> Well, but and, and that's exactly it because you're not going to meet anybody that is more willing to say that they were wrong than me, and because they're not because that was how I interpreted the promo for it, mm. and I don't know if that was uh, how it was actually presented or if that's just how I took it, and then you find out I was like, no, 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 it's not like hey, by the way, I went to the beach on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's here's the story that I've been working on, and here's how I was able to pull this story out. And this is how come it's important to whatever, you know, the macro mm-hmm. is. And then when they get some of the, uh, uh, the journalists together on Friday and, you know, actually start to ask them not only for their opinion on how somebody else may have presented a story, but their opinion personally on what they think of the story, but not necessarily what the issue in the story is, is actually pretty amazing and, well, makes it worth Absolutely. listening to. Mm-hmm. Your, your mea culpa is ex- hereby accepted. Do you feel, I think Melissa already talked about that a little bit. Do you feel like a better informed listener after listening? And do you have people that you share the information with? It sounds like you share it with your family, your son in particular, yes. for instance. But are there other people that you're sharing your newfound knowledge with around you? I generally just share it with my family because I live in uh, Bob Goodlett's district and I don't need to start fights. So, um, thank God it's not Bob Goodlett anymore. It's just his clone, Ben Klein. When I, people start arguing politics, it makes my stomach roll and I don't need, then my stress level goes to Mac 3, like Julie said, unruly Julie said. And, uh, um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't need that in my life. I, you, you're not going to convince the people around here. Um, so there's not a whole lot of point in even trying to get into an, to try to convince them. So my blood pressure level is much better if I don't do that. But within my, within my family and the extended family, it's very political and we have lots of political discussion. Are the people around your district extremely Trumpy or is it mostly Republican? I live in what's um, Augusta County and the County is extremely Trumpy, but the two cities, Stanton and Waynesboro are little blue headlights in the middle of this humongous Mm -hmm. county. Uh, But uh, for the most part, it's extremely Trumpy. Has the Trumpiness worked out for the county? I think they reap the benefits because of Bob Goodlatte, not necessarily Trump. Goodlatte is a huge Trump supporter or was a huge Trump supporter. And having served in the legislature as long as he did, he brought lots of benefits to his district. Um, so for the county, they would say, yes, they have seen a a lot of benefits, but I don't think, I don't think many of them are educated enough to realize that it's because of Bob Goodlatte and his length of service in Congress as compared to Trump. It's a really interesting point. I remember when I had Doug and Tracy on the podcast and I asked uh, Doug about Steve King because he had mm-hmm. worked in Iowa and the the reply that he gave of why Steve King, with all of his really outrageous mm-hmm. comments over the years, why he had lasted for as long as he lasted was exactly what you just said. And I think that's something that people generally underestimate 
when they come up against good lad too was on some very contrary to king was on some really influential yes. committees and 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 wielded a completely different outsized influence but people forget that these people are sent there in order to bring something to the people that they represent and it sounds like good lad for better or for worse uh, of his general politics did just I voted for, for him for many many years it's not it's only been since about probably 2010 that I stopped voting for him because he did a lot of good for the area where I live probably did after I stopped voting for him too I just wasn't paying attention because he was making me angry <laughs> mm-hmm Okay, so that's a that's a very fair and I think sobering assessment of why certain districts are Trumpy. It's because they had yes. clear benefits. Uh, Matthew, Matthew, in your case, do you all of your newfound knowledge over there in Nevada? You're probably not quite up against the same level of Trumpiness that Melissa is experiencing. Uh, but wh- how, what do you do with the information that you that you garner and gather? I, I would actually say um, that I'm on par with Melissa for only for where I live. Um, I live in a in a county, uh, rural Nevada. You know, so everything outside of Reno and Las Vegas and Clark County um, wow. is Trumpville yep. all Absolutely. day long. It is it is the 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 cowboy mentality, the rugged individualism, which you know I, I appreciate self reliance and so on. But I can guarantee you that if I were to hop in my vehicle right now and drive down the road, every single political sticker I saw, without exception. Every single one would be Trump or Trump focused because, again, I do a podcast which uh, <laughs> runs down the uh, the crimes of the religious committed by the religious that the religious like to ignore, um, and and I'm very also very outspoken secular uh, atheist activist. I have no problem having any sort of a conversation, but I take a purely Socratic method when I have a conversation, whether it be about religion or politics, which is somebody may say, Donald Trump is the best because of whatever. I just ask them to explain it. And I'm trying to think here. Now, I'm going to say 100% of the time, whoever's made the claim has been unable to back it up. And then I just sort of sit there and smile and Usually have another but beer. do they realize that they haven't mm. backed it up? Because here they don't realize they haven't backed it up. No, it's a cognitive dissonance yes. thing. They, it, no matter what, they're not going to cave in and say, damn, I was wrong. And let me just go <laughs> off on a tangent here real quick. There's a woman, her name is, <laughs> yeah, really weird, right, for me? Okay, so, or as I call them on my show, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. There's a woman that I'd like both of you and all the listeners to the show to uh, look up on the TED Talks or on YouTube. Her name is Catherine Schultz, and she wrote a book about being wrong. And the most fascinating thing out of, out of that book and the most fascinating thing in the TED Talk that she gave that sticks with me every single day is when she addresses the audience and says, what does it feel like to be wrong? And of course, the audience, you know, she picked a couple of people at random and they're like, oh, it's embarrassing. Oh, um, you know, I, I feel awful. And, and she goes, no, 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 no. That's the answer to a different question. That's the answer to what do you feel like when you find out that you're wrong? Because up to that point, you thought you were right. You didn't know you were wrong. And that is an absolute light switch moment for the person to be able to stand up and say, I was wrong. Your typical, uh, political hack 
or, or, or partisan, whatever, whether you're on the left or if you're on the right, is never able to make that light switch go on and go, I'm wrong. hey, I might have been wrong. And that's the frustrating thing about it. But basically, because I'm a dick, I don't have any problem poking people in the nose huh? about it. <laughs> How do they react when you poke them? Um, I've had one guy threaten to kick my ass. <laughs> that sounds like Nevada. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> pretty much everybody out here carries a firearm, so it's not exactly, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Best practices and such. <laughs> exactly. You, you learn to pick your uh, fights yeah, very quickly. I and I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Would you say that, though, your, your county where you live, is it a similar situation to Melissa's where legislators of the GOP have done right or Trump has done right by them? Or is it just, does, does it stem from, from other sources, let's say? The current president is not black nor a woman. There it is. So it stems from other sources, as I called it euphemistically. Yes. <laughs> I was just merely pointing out a demographic fact. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of it. I would say the same for here, too. More so, no, more so than good no, luck? Not more so, but that would be a background feature of their thinking. Or their fe- it's more feeling, not thinking. The feeling appears to be both misogyny and racism. Oh, definitely. And yeah. here... More racism than misogyny. How is it in Nevada, Matthew? More more racism or more misogyny? <laughs> um, it's, it's actually more racism. I think uh, Nevada, probably other than Idaho, is about the, the whitest uh, uh, state of the union. Uh, this is the same state that uh, even though you know we have more than our fair share of manual labor doing by um, – you know, doing jobs that nobody else wants to do that by people who are not here with the proper documentation. Everybody's willing to look the other way as long as they're getting their work done. Um, I mean, hell, we actually had a uh, a quadruple murder here uh, last week. And this is a town that has like no murders. We had two people killed and then two other people killed uh, like three days later. Same guy, illegal immigrant come, came into this to the U.S. from, oh God, El Salvador, I think. But either way, Trump tweeted about it. I'm like, yay, we made the presidential tweet. Mm. So I remember that tweet. Yeah, isn't that mm-hmm. great? That's us. Yay, we're the I silver state. Not, <laughs> I tried to not read his tweet. Oh, oh I, that I somebody else would have retweeted it on Twitter. I definitely don't follow him. No way. Well, did you know that there's another Twitter follow? Uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. like the the was it the, the retweeter? The press, the yeah, re- like the, the press release bot. one. Yeah. Yeah, where it looks like an official yeah. press release, they're hysterical. So it, it, it's it's hysterical slash heartbreaking, depending on uh, where you stand on. <laughs> That's true. Um, American <laughs> political history. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if I follow him or not, but I, I look him up every morning to see what disaster that we have. I you know I'm <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. Oh, you are a glutton for it, punishment because I'll be damned if I'm going to start my day out like that. <laughs> no, it, it's it too much. It's just a lot. A lot of the time, it just has been feeling very flaily in in the last few weeks. I think that that's true. I think that uh, if you listen to some of the commentators on the left, a lot of it has been, um, you know, he knows that he's circling the drain and all that, which I don't put any you know any credit mm-hmm. into because nobody knows anything more than anybody else. Uh, but again, I'm. We talk about this all the time. I mean, we knew what he was like when I lived in New York City. He was, he was the same guy then. Uh, you guys elected him, not you, but you know mm-hmm. the nation. Right. And I, have, I have a theory on that too, but we'll get to that. 
Okay, we'll, we'll get to that right after one of our favorite questions, which is, we have established that Julie uses Twitter to communicate with her audience, as you all know. Do you guys seek out that Twitter interaction? Absolutely. <laughs> I am a proud owner of trying to do that. Not all the time, because I don't want to come across as stupid or harassing her. But I absolutely uh, don't worry about it. You get used to it. Uh, no, I don't. No, <laughs> look at me. No, I just absolutely I crave that attention, but in small bites. In small bites. Okay, so you're a, that is a very very dignified approach, Melissa. Nobody has ever coped to a dignified approach to trying <laughs> that. It's usually exceptionally shameless. Uh, Matthew, what is your approach like? Uh, I try. Try and stick with the full scale snarkiness. Uh, there are times where uh, something has been said, which, of course, in my opinion, they've missed the obvious joke. Um, <laughs> but the problem is that, again, I'm also West Coast, and a lot of times I'm listening online, yeah. which has got a long yes, enough delay versus listening on the radio. Yep. You know, you're like, nah, you know. So uh, that's why I purchased my Amazon Echo. Oh, so you can do it that doesn't have a delay? Oh Matthew, let me up. Let me up your. <laughs> let me up, up your POTUS press pool seventy percent game immediately by letting you know that when you purchase an Amazon Echo for not a hundred dollars, it will stream everything live without any delay, despite the fact that you paid ten times that in my case for your phone, huh. which does it with a six minute. Delay. I don't have a six minute huh. delay. So- I have about a three minute delay on my phone. My car is the only place where it's actually at the same time. Amazon Echo, ladies and gentlemen. Zero delay, always the tweets on fleek, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but isn't that also like spying on your home? It uh, Only occasionally, <laughs> and it only relays the data to the best people. Yeah, like that's Jeff your Bezos opinion, Daniel. Every advertiser that pays them. <laughs> Melissa, is, Melissa is very anti this sort of stuff. M- well, Melissa feels accosted by this technology. Well, I believe me, I'm, I'm a techno nerd, but I just have this, we've already covered the whole privacy thing. So the, <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, I'm good. Listen, when, when it's between privacy and my tweets actually not being on a three-minute delay or a six-minute delay, <laughs> I will admit to to being so sadly addicted to it that I actually go for, you know what? Fuck it. You want to film my bedroom and everything I'm doing? I'm ha- just having sex over here. You've seen this before. I have no delay and I'm tweeting on time. Damn it. <laughs> That's outstanding. Well, I have still gotten read online even with my three-minute delay. So Yeah, no, I, I described this before. I used to have to pre-tweet. Like, I used to have to be like, okay, I've read the story oh my God, earlier. No. I know who's coming up. So let me try and You're think kidding. what she He's might He's a real ask. stalker, Matthew. And so then I will figure out a question that I will ask that could be pertinent. And if it is, she will read it. They have programs for people like you. I mean, They're 30-day in-house programs, you know? Exactly. What kind of level of desperation do you think it needs in order to start a fucking podcast about a radio show? There is that. That's that's where we were at. That's where we were at. That's. But on the plus side, it has brought us all together. This is true. So isn't that nice? That's true. Yes. 
Yes, my 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 mental impairments have. You to see, you the, uh, the the pooligans are my escape from good lap territory. Uh, that's the strength of Julie's program is that even people who live in very red districts, you don't have to listen to to hyperpartisans screaming at each other or just droning on and on about right. their talking points. It's more it's more down the middle, and I think her her really terrific audience reflects yes. that. It's a highly intelligent audience who pays attention to what's going on in the world and participates with her via tweets or on the phone in a way that mm-hmm. stimulates me to think about things in a different way. That's why I started this podcast, in order to talk to people who are much smarter than me about things that I care about. So <laughs> that worked. That has worked out brilliantly for me. Well, it's funny that you say that because, um, I mean, there are some obvious exceptions every now and then you get somebody that kind of gets through. And again, I, I honestly believe it's on both sides of whatever particular issue you're talking about. Uh, but it, I'm sure that everybody here has heard somebody get on there and say something and you're like, you're staring at the, at the speaker going, what the yep. fuck did this guy just right. say? Mm-hmm. It's like, get over. Yep. I, and uh, I'm not, again, because POTUS is, is in my, you know, uh, Across the spectrum on all the, maybe it was Chris Cuomo's show. He actually had mm-hmm. a guy call in talking about, uh, well, it's okay that the uh, government employees don't get paid because government's too big. Anyway. I heard that. I heard <laughs> I'm that like, show. Wow. Oof. Wow. Uh, hey, I got some news for you. I got a whole bunch of buddies I want you to say that to, <laughs> but you got to do it face to face, you know, mm-hmm. because there's a whole, I mean, and they're in Nevada, so they're armed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, it, it's just, I don't get the lack of the critical thought process that we have accepted as being reasonable. Amen. Uh, and, and again, I mean, I can't say this enough. It, it's on both sides of the argument. Uh, you, you see people who are announcing now to run for the Democrats uh, for the 2020 election. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. That person is running. They don't stand a chance in hell. But their supporters will be like, oh, yes, they do. Because blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, but they really don't. You know, so mm-hmm. or you know, Trump did this because you know he said that he would, and so and so and so on. It's like, no, that's not really why he did it. You know, and I just I don't understand the lack of intellectual curiosity. That is well the, said. That is a question for the pa- for the past two years minimum. The lack of intellectual curiosity definitely played into into the situation. But it seems because it seems that the more intellectually curious have still, and I think to this day, not found a way of of honestly and with some kindness engaging with the side that is perhaps less intellectually curious. Uh, not not maybe for for lack of for lack of wanting to be, but because that's just the situation that they found themselves in. And is that the nature nurture thing? Is it that's the way they were raised so they don't know any better? Well, it's, I don't want to, I don't quite want to reduce it to that. Maybe I said it inartfully, but I think there's a, and you can sense it on Twitter in, in the discourse back and forth. There's, and I think it's frequently quoted, although again, the question is, uh, okay, misogyny and racism are not really a lack of intellectual curiosity. That is something entirely different. Something entirely taught. And I don't know. Right, and I don't know whether that is whether that can be mitigated by intellectual curiosity. Perhaps it can be. You know, I, well, I'm sitting here literally staring at the wall, going, 
I'm not sure that I agree. Go go ahead. And the reason I say that is because the the bulk of the people that I know that are you know complete misogynists and like my dad or racist. I don't know, like my dad. Uh, mm. <laughs> seriously though, the uh, these are also the same people that don't get outside whatever their particular. Uh, their bubble is whether it's a news bubble or a sports mm-hmm. bubble or whatever, and I think a lot of that is the is the same thing. I think that it all ties in that there is no curiosity, there is no uh, drive to you know better better your understanding of whatever the topic is. Is you've learned enough. It's like me and my cell phone. That's actually the best example yet. It's me and my Android. I know just enough to use everything I need on there, but I don't know how to use most of it because I don't need it. It's a phone. Mm. Melissa, do you think, as a teacher, how do you feel about the lack of intellectual curiosity and how that might play into into the last two and a half years? Well, as a teacher, we've been stifled um, in our ability to promote intellectual curiosity by the standards of learning tests. Tell us a little bit about that, too, because I'm, I'm very curious about that. Our jobs are dependent upon a percentage of the kids in our class passing the SOLs. They won't say that mm-hmm. your job is dependent upon that, but it's always lurking in the background because you see those teachers who have trouble with their kids passing the SOLs. Uh, sort of fall by the wayside, shall we say. Um, and so mm-hmm. as a teacher, you start teaching to the SOLs, which doesn't allow you a lot of time to allow the kids to explore whatever subject it is that they are learning at that particular point in time during the day. And What were you teaching, I Melissa? taught history. I, well... I had a I had an, a weird job because I taught in an alternative school, um, and I was the history department grade six through twelve, uh, which included economics and um, whatever subject was six through twelve. So in a particular classroom, I might have one kid doing sixth grade history and five kids that are doing twelfth grade government, and three kids that are doing. 11th grade American history. Um, and mm-hmm. so that makes it even more difficult to be creative when you've got, it's like a one-room school, sort. except it's a one-room subject rather than a one-room school. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because I would much rather be called bitch by my students than have to deal with a classroom of 30 sass mouth uh, students because I had <laughs> 8 to 10 students maximum. And I'll go on my bandwagon for kids who cause problems. Uh, the majority of the kids that I had caused problems because they couldn't read. And we actually had a class where we put those that we identified as not being able to read and help them learn to read. And once they learned to read, they were able to go on and pass the GED and get out of there. So, And I run into many of them now um, who are leading productive lives because we had a special alternative school that they were sent to by the school districts. Apparently that school did not exist in Donald Trump's uh, Oh, heavens. 
Well, wait. A I thought he went to prep school or was it Vietnam? I can't remember. It was one of the other. Uh, it was, was not Vietnam. It, we know it was definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not that one. Uh, okay, so that's that's really interesting. Liz. Do you think – Do you are you still in touch with the field? Do you think that in the – over the time that you were a teacher, did things markedly improve or no, get worse? No, they've gotten worse. And, 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 and I think that's where the intellectual curiosity is disappearing. Because if you are not taught how to research and to think and to allow your brain to imagine and to wonder about stuff and why is this that way or why is that that way, if all you're being drilled with is facts in order to pass a test, there is not going to be any intellectual curiosity there. Now, obviously, Matthew, your father is of an older generation. And for the older generation, I frankly think that's the way we were raised. I grew up in a, in a household where my father was a member of the John Birch Society. <laughs> And when I heard, and wow. when I was told that Kennedy had been shot, my reaction was, "Oh, good." Much to my shame. Huh. Wow. Then I went to college, and I got away from that small town culture. I was exposed to diversity, thought, challenging thought, which is what you get when you go away to college. I had to live in a dorm with people I would have never associated with in my hometown, never, and. You get out in the world, and at the time that I was in college, which was the late 60s, the world was really in turmoil. And um, mm -hmm. you just learn to think for yourself and make a choice. I went to school in Memphis. I was there when Martin Luther King was shot. So I have lived through all of that. So it's a lot like today. Exactly. And not and today is not as bad as it was then because think about the riots in the streets and Melissa, we have to make America great oh, again. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Jeez Louise. Where you I been? don't know. Hiding in the boonies here in the valley. <laughs> they're they're good boonies. They though. are good yeah, boonies. I I think some of the sadly, some of the lessons of the sixties we're currently gonna be relearning and gonna be forced to relearn. Uh, in the next few years, and hopefully this time they'll sink in a bit more. You know, it's it just it's it's frustrating because you have people, you know, frequently that will be uh, so stubborn on whatever their topic is that as long as they get their way, they don't really care. You know, it's like, well, my guy won. You know, it's like, oh, it's like enough, 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 enough. You know, you just want to pound your head on the desk. Oh, hey, speaking of. Not pounding my head on the desk. Let me get oh, my... I thought you were going to do a performance right now of Matthew no. pounding his head on the desk. It's like, Is that but... not what's happening? Okay. No, I don't want to knock my beer over. So the okay. – uh, see, and I record my show generally in the early morning hours, like you know, 6, 5 in the morning. So I, I'm not, usually not drinking beer then. That's why this is a special uh -huh. night for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> but anyhow. What are, you, what, are you, what are you drinking, Matthew? Uh, right now I'm drinking uh, Samuel Adams Holiday Porter. Ooh. Ah. A little bit of holiday, a little bit of holiday joy. That is mm -hmm. fantastic. I'm bringing that holiday spirit to the to the podcast. I, I like it. I'm festive. I am definitely mm -hmm. festive. Very um, nice. The uh, so my theory on why Mrs. Clinton didn't win the election, Mrs. Clinton and her uh, team did not campaign or embrace anybody whose city 
didn't have an off-ramp from the interstate. I would agree with that statement. But why? Well, I think that they, they just looked at the numbers. They relied too much on the numbers and not... Yeah, it, I mean, you take a look at it. I mean, we talked about this a little while ago, you know, the mentality that, uh, you know, the rest of your state can't outvote Richmond and Norfolk. Correct, yes. Same thing. Yes. So, yes. so you just focus right. on that. But, and I honestly believe that the current president won essentially by accident. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't even think he thought he was going to win. I would agree mm-hmm. with that. But, I definitely did not. And, but yeah. the other thing is, is that you're not going to find a bigger supporter than me than uh, to the Electoral College. You know, the Electoral College is to make sure that Norfolk and Richmond don't win everything every single time. So, yeah, we have a bad example right now, in my opinion. Um, but I think it's still, I still think it's worth it. And going to the pure popular vote is, is not, not going to, it's not going to work. First of all, I have to do a constitutional amendment and, you know, then what? That'll never happen. Oh, I have no problems with the electoral college. We've gotten screwed when Al Gore was, was running and we got screwed this last time Mm -hmm. by the electoral college, but I don't want a popular vote either. No, well, I think the Electoral College is, however, going to get more and more problematic, not less so. Um, I mean, the, the the states with the least, the state with the least, or the, yeah, the least populations are going to get more and more, uh, are going to get more and more powerful, not less and less so. Uh, no, I, I don't think that that's actually the case. Because again, the the way to keep the electoral college kind of in the frame of uh, frame of mind is uh, to compare it to the number of legislatures legislators that they have that are in the Congress. Um, you know, so a state like New York, which has what you know twenty seven congressmen or something ridiculous like that, mm-hmm. you know, that is analogous to the number of votes that they have. So they still have a lot of power, um, but you would need you know five two two uh, congressmen states, for example. Uh, before you could even come close to buttressing, you know, uh, a process where you know, was going against your interest in a rural state like Nevada, for example. So, but it doesn't matter again because Nevada is all Clark County anyway. So, yeah, and Cl- that Clark County is fairly reliably blue. No, at this oh point. yeah, yeah, and, and we just had a uh, a Democratic uh, elected senator beat Dean Heller, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm I'm a real moderate. I'm I don't I honestly don't fall on one side or the other, uh, because it, it's like I'm a I guess best way to put it is that I'm a fiscal uh, conservative and a personal rights conservative, but I I also believe in uh, taking care of the people who need to be taken care of in a more liberal fashion. So I don't fit to either camp. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is what it is. But either way, so. Um, the electoral college itself, I think it's going to have to uh, put up, you know, or the people that support are going to have to put up a fight because there's going to be a big push after the 2020 to uh, to abolish it, and I think that those decisions are going to be argued or those choices are going to be argued by people who are not well informed, as they usually are. <laughs> yep. As they usually are. <laughs> sorry, uh, I, I, I was drinking. You shouldn't make me laugh as I'm drinking. So, I, oh, I'm sorry. Did I just make you spill your holiday? I <laughs> really, right. really apologize. You made me my holiday porter. I, I apologize. That is a that a is a sin, sin. Daniel. It's a sin. I'm I'm really 
I, this is this is me repenting okay. right now. That's okay. I'll put you on my list for my festivist airing of grievances next year. <laughs> <laughs> next year? What do you mean? Next week? No, no, no. I uh, don't you pod- do that on the podcast. Yeah, I do. Um, I actually kind of go all out during the holidays, and I do ah. a festivist episode. I do a little bit on. Uh, uh, sometimes I do a little bit of the history of Christmas. What you know why it really isn't a Christian holiday and so on and so on. And, um, and again, this is why I think Melissa will get a kick out of listening to the show because I do fall down some serious rabbit holes on, on the history side because I'm a bit of a history nerd. So uh, when you start uh, reading up who, on this stuff, I'm sorry, go ahead. Who, who would have thunk that I would put Isn't two the, history I'm, nerds on a podcast? I don't know how you managed to do it, but we are definitely have similar interests and similar experiences and, <laughs> I don't know how you got so lucky, but you did. Uh, it's, it, it actually has less to do with luck than you would think, because I knew his podcast that I, I read your, I read your ah. profile. So I, I, there is, there is occasionally, even though I, it, it seems, oh, there's yep. the clock again. It's going to be not, it's going to be 10 o'clock. I, so you're going to get 10 bongs. I, I feel like everything I'm, I'm saying is completely venerated the moment that that <laughs> happens. I, <laughs> I it's really nice. I should do that all the time. From now on, we're going to do all all uh, of my podcasts with that sound in the background. Well, yeah, it'd be like the Pope coming out over Saint was it Saint Peter's Square? You know, <laughs> down the balcony, the doors get open. Get blessed up. while you're doing. Get blessed while you're doing your podcast. I had a I had a terrible experience in in uh, in 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 Saint Peter's Square. It, it, it was terrible. Did it involve I, birds or tourists? <laughs> no, it involved a bird. I I saw a bird. I'm I'm an animal lover, as everybody who has listened to this podcast can attest to i'm a lover of animals and we were in st peter's square and we were looking at the at the vatican and i was like these these birds these pigeons are really just everywhere and this one pigeon just almost sat on my foot and and i was wearing my new shoes at the time that i was quite proud of and i was like you know what bird you need to get away from my shoe and so i i i aimed to do what i do what i would do in switzerland in order to shoe a pigeon i i sort of kicked at it at it right thinking that it would move away but those pigeons are not they're like very very sure of themselves so that pigeon just sat there and i kicked it and it just started rolling away i thought you like like a football yeah just just tumbling away and and people in the square were like you know when everything goes silent and all of a sudden every head in the square snaps toward you that was exactly what happened. It was just silence in silence in St. Peter's Square. Damien, the spawn of Satan, has just kicked a pigeon in the holiest square in the world. Who the fuck is this child? That's a, that's amazing. I thought you were going to say the pigeon did his right. business on your new shoes. So. No, absolutely not. No, because he killed it. It, <laughs> so. it, it did. It did the thing. It like it turned the other cheek, so to speak. And I, it was terrible. I fe- I still feel every time I see a pigeon, I'm like, I'm. So, if you heard about, if you we know each other because you heard about your cousin twice removed that I kicked once, I thoroughly apologize. I have repented oh. every day of my life. I will will never do it again. Yeah. That's a funny story. That is my Vatican story. Okay, sorry, that was that was a detour. Um <laughs> what what I wanted to ask you is my again an amazing segue. Twitter. Uh we how have you Thank you. Uh have you now I could really use that grandfather clock. Uh, that would have been helpful right at that moment. Do you follow any of the other rabid 
Julie Mason fans, any of the other, you know, hashtag pooligans, do you follow any of them? Have you had any interactions with any of them? Is that something that you partake in? I'm I'm checking. I do. I do. <laughs> He's checking. What the fuck? You, you have to check. You have to check. Obviously, you don't. Melissa, you speak, please. This <laughs> is so embarrassing. <laughs> Melissa, please take um, over. I've gone back and forth with Unruly Julie about... Um, mm-hmm. uh, Banana bread, because I mean banana pudding, mm. and you and I banana have pudding. talked about hummingbird cake. And mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. I really appreciated um, that. And I follow a lot of them. I sometimes make comments. Um, at most of them, because I got started late on the Pooligans podcast, I didn't start listening until mm, maybe the second week of December. And um, so I had a lot of mm-hmm. catching up to do, and I'm picky and. Picky about who I want to interact with, no matter what the format mm. is. Um, but as we mm-hmm. were going, as I was going through all of the um, podcasts, each person that you were talking with on the podcast, I would then go to Twitter and I would follow them. So my t- Pooligans Twitter following is strictly based on the people that, because um, I have a list for Pooligans. And so it's strictly based on the ones that I have heard on your podcast. I am in gratitude and in awe of your dedication, ma'am. I, I, I really, I really appreciate it. You, you yeah. probably don't want my answer then, huh? <laughs> oh, ha, ha, have you found anyone? Have you found anyone, Matthew? Uh, I, I follow the Pooligans podcast and you. <laughs> uh-huh. No, no, okay, that's so- it. <laughs> That's really just the essentials. Then, yes. And you want people so, to follow your podcast? You need to do a little clicking tonight so, so after now, we hang now, up. Now, Thank now, you, it, Melissa. Let's be fair here. I actually have uh, two people that do my uh, Twitter for me. They're not for me, what? but they they actually uh, pimp my show and so on. Uh, actually, three people because I don't have the time and I'm I'm horrible at social media because social media allows people to think that what they have to say is really, really important and it really, really isn't. And I just don't have time for it. I'm horrible. That is that is a deluxe fucking setup you got there. Where did you find these people? Hey, have you met me? No, well, uh, sorry. I, I mean, I, I didn't. <laughs> sorry, I did not mean. I did not in any mean, in any way mean to to demean your obvious charm. I'm just saying. Where did you find these good people? Three of them, no less. Yep, I've got uh, a beautiful young lady over in uh, in the UK. Her name is Jerry. I've got mm-hmm. a friend over in uh, Canada. Her name is Pixie, and I've got a friend over in Ohio. And her well, name there is, is definitely a theme nice. to the people that do, do you, you notice, I a did notice a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally coincidence. You are a bubbles but, uh, of vampires. Sure, sir. it is. <laughs> but I've. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pixie uh, does an amazing job for me over on uh, on Facebook. She actually runs my Facebook page, uh, it, which is nice because I I really just I find it uninteresting. Social media I find incredibly uninteresting. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Letha and Jerry, Letha does some on uh, I'm sorry, Jerry does some on uh, both Facebook and on Twitter. And Letha uh, really does promote the show a lot for me on Twitter. So. And what? I, I, oh, so anyway, getting back to to my lame excuse, that's uh-huh. where we started mm-hmm. this. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't generally follow other people; I only return people that follow me. Mm. And a lot of that is because, uh, again, because of the, of the content of my show, I don't want to uh, 
go out and offend somebody unintentionally. Um, I want to do it on purpose. And I want to make sure that <laughs> – exactly. Uh, you know, so if if there's, you know, Sister you know Sister Jones, you know, the, the, the nun from whatever, and I see her, I'm not going to pounce on her and, and be a jerk about it. Um, but because my podcast specifically is In the Name of God, the podcast – I get a lot of, of religious folks that come and follow my show thinking that they're going to get some sort of, you know, sermon or whatever. I don't really know what you do in church because I've never been a believer. Um, that being said, those people are kind of fun to track and they will follow me and I'll follow them back. And then I'm using a service that tells me when they unfollow me. And it usually happens on Monday morning when my show comes out on Sunday. So pretty entertaining. <laughs> I, you know, in, in Matthew's defense, I just looked at followers you know. Uh, right. There there is from what I can tell other than other than uh, Melissa not a single pooling Well, that I just you. followed him tonight well, so, because before the show started because right. I wanted to see his <laughs> so profile. <laughs> so so what you're saying is I've had a 100% increase. That's right. <laughs> In pooligans tonight. <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah, sir. yeah, I can go to bed. Feel all kinds of rested up now. Feel I good. know, and you didn't even need one of your charming female helpers in order to make that happen. So, but notice it's that. another female. Uh, hello. hello. <laughs> well, but but you don't understand. I'm I'm um, what's called a male lesbian, and what that means is that I detest all the stereotypical things that guys like. I I detest sports. At one point in my life. I thought that politics was sports for smart people, and then I I saw a lot of the people again on both the far left and the far right, and realized that I was uh-huh. wrong. Heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I mean, it used to be it was it was a fun intellectual discourse of the arguments and the, and the positions. Um, you know, perfect examples. You can look at some of the senators who uh, in the U.S. Senate who have you know friends from the other side of the aisle. Um, you know, John John McCain and Joe Biden, best buddies. Mm-hmm. Complete intellectual differences on their philosophy for how the government needs to be mm-hmm. read, uh, be led, but they could still be friends. And and now, I mean, it's it's not even worth it. And I, <laughs> in my circle of friends, um, I've got friends on on both ends of it. And boy, I poke them both, you know, all of them in the nose on both sides frequently mm-hmm. because again, we've covered this. I'm a dick. But if you don't do social mm-hmm. media, how do you poke them? Uh, face to face, make fun of them, you know, in bars, you know, okay. like any other adult. No, the, uh, <laughs> like, like every other person who would like to get shot. You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, now let's get back to social media. For example, on my personal Facebook existence or page or whatever the right mm-hmm. you know, nomenclature is, mm-hmm. um, I have 100 friends. That's it. Which means that if somebody that I know decides that they want to add me to their Facebook group or whatever, I kick somebody off and I introduce everybody to the newest person. Wow. So, so you so you limit yourself to 100 friends and if somebody wants to be your friend, then you have to choose among the 100 who you want to boot. That's it. Damn. That's some tough rules right there. <laughs> well, but you know what it does? The the 100 people that I have are actually are my real friends. These are people who I interact with that I can, you know, I could be sitting in Houston, Texas tomorrow and call Brad or Deb tomorrow. And it would be like nothing, you know. And th- how did you limit yourself to one hundred in particular? I just uh, picked a round number, you know. What qualifies one to get booted off? Uh, mm-hmm. It depends on my mood. <laughs> I see. 
And what happens, and I'm, I know I'm totally just proposing a hypothetical here, what happened if at some point in your life you were actually going to end up with 110 friends, no, but, I, now, but now you've, you've let 10 of them go for suspicion of not being a good enough friend and have <laughs> limited yourself artificially to 100? There's nothing artificial about it. It's just the limit. Was there a TED talk on that? <laughs> no, I just, I just, <laughs> I just popped over to my. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to make sure that I haven't lied to you. Uh, no, yep. I, I'm just checking here. It's like, yeah, I have, I have exactly 100 friends on my Facebook page. And, That's amazing. And I'm looking through, and there's nobody here that I don't know face to face. That's the big I, deal. That's the big difference. Matthew has cut all the fat from his Facebook, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He has trimmed it. It is now a fillet of friendship over on Facebook. <laughs> but you say you know them, you have met them face to face. So you obviously have a nope. job of some, some sort of a job that allows you, because I assume not all hundred of those people don't live in Tahoe or wherever it is you live. No, no, no. I, I'm somewhat of a mobile individual. Um, and I'm also a very active person in the community and, you know, whatever the particular topic is, it doesn't really make a difference. If I were a mountain climber, I'm not. But if I was a mountain climber, I would be very active in the mountain climbing community. So you mm-hmm. wind up meeting a lot of people. Um, I tend to go off to and do a lot of uh, seminars, uh, not on behalf of, but as part of the government. You know, so I wind up meeting a lot of people with these type of things as well. And the the hobbies that I have are small enough and... I don't want to say peculiar enough, but are niche enough that those people are are close no matter what. So, and then you know, the course, then the, the <laughs> I'm well, looking what? at the list of these people now, and I'm like, yeah, that guy's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so you should should maybe open it up. But 99, <laughs> 99 friends in the face. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So, and, and it's been a while since I've introduced anybody, but. For example, um, the way that I will do that is I'll just uh, start it out with a, a simple sentence to the effect of uh, sticking with myself and post limit of no more than 100 friends on Facebook. I wave a hearty Call goodbye to the, uh, to the departing friends and welcome Joe Smith. Hey, everybody. Say hi to Joe Smith. Oh, wow. By the, by the way, a really good way to make sure you're the next one to get kicked off is not by saying hi to Joe Smith. Okay. So – so you're on the Pooligans podcast tonight, and there are people yeah. that are going to listen to it, and they're going to want yeah. to have an ongoing conversation with you, and you don't do social sure. media. So you s- No, I didn't say that. I said I don't do social media well, mm-hmm. which means- So are you going to limit your- It might be a day or two until I get back to you. Are you going to limit your Twitter <laughs> Pooligans friends to 100? Um, I don't know. Let me see how many I have. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, no, I have uh, <laughs> 1,695. He actually is uh, limiting it to 1,170. <laughs> That's right. So, so, right. so goodbye, everybody. <laughs> there is currently one slot available. Are your Twitter, anybody who are your like Twitter friends mainly those who are either your Facebook friends as well? Or are no, they the ones that not. are a part following you because of your podcast? It's 100% the podcast. I, I think that um, of the 16 or so hundred followers that I have, um, there's probably less than a dozen 
that I, are friends from prior to me mm-hmm. doing the show and maybe another three dozen or so that I've met at different conferences since I have okay. been doing it. Um, but, you know, and, and that's the other thing that I do, um, and, and feel free to, to take this, uh, you know, for your podcast as well, is that when when somebody does start to follow me on Twitter, um, I, I welcome them during the show. Well, you better you know, welcome so me really it, fast. Oh, I, you will. You're going to get a shout out on Sunday's show. <laughs> okay. You are absolutely. So, and that's what I do. And that's like you were saying before. Um, you know, having having your name, you know, read on on uh, on XM is a kind of a cool deal. And I've actually had people who have sent me messages or direct messages or whatever the whatever mm-hmm. the term is, uh, and say, "I have to tell you, that was really really cool hearing my name on your podcast." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of neat." So. I've been doing this now for coming up on, I guess, about four and a half years now, and I've had about just under 200,000 downloads. So by the time that, you know, I give your shout out tomorrow or what day is it? It's Friday, Sunday. um, You know, I might have picked up another three or four uh, listeners or followers by people sharing the show and they all get shout outs as well. And I think that's kind of a cool deal. What drove you to choose the subject of your podcast? I'm a very binary individual, and I mean that in you know right and wrong, left or right. I'm the guy that does the speed limit on the highway. Oh dear! Really? Okay. I know that's me. <laughs> you and um, I will definitely not get along on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> and they've broken up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> The good news is that we're now available. <laughs> so the uh, <laughs> yep. but seriously, and, and a lot of that is because. Um, that's just it's my personality. Uh, I don't ever want to be the. You're never going to hear me use the phrase. You know, they'll never find out. You know, because that's just mm-hmm. not how I do it. So, that being said, I had the opportunity. I was a guest. I've actually been a guest twice on Pendulette's podcast, uh, Pendulette Sunday School. And after the, uh, I I was at his home in Las Vegas. And then I drove up to Reno and listened to Dan Barker. And Dan Barker is the freedom pres- co-president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. He gave a speech at, uh, I think it was a student union up at the University of Reno. And he, he was talking about his transition of being a, a member of faith. And actually, he was a, a pastor or a preacher and mm-hmm. losing his faith and, and becoming an atheist and marrying uh, Annie Laurie Gaylor, who is you know perhaps the most ardent atheist around. Uh Anyhow, during that particular presentation, somebody from the audience during the Q&A started to try and give them shit about the Bible. And I got some news for you. There are a handful of people on the planet that you don't like try and out Bible. And Dan mm-hmm. Barker is one of those people. But he treated this guy with so much respect and didn't belittle him, didn't hammer on him. And it, when I left that, it was like, that was a really nice way to do it. So... Dan Barker does a podcast. I saw how Pendulette does his podcast. I'm like, this is brainless. I'll do this once a month and, uh, you know, I'll do it for six months and then, you know, I'll go on and, I don't know, get another beer or something. Uh, and now I'm up to episode, I don't know, like 270 mm-hmm. or something like that every single Sunday and I haven't missed a week. How do you yet. choose your subject material for each podcast? Oh, you mean specifically which segments I'm doing? I've not listened to your mm-hmm. podcast, so do you choose uh, 
a subject for each one, or like you said, there's no, no, no. Then. Yeah, so I traditionally do um, three, maybe four segments in a show, and one of them will be a typical news story. I think this week I just – well, I did an update, but I recorded a segment on um, the FLDS church over in Utah, and they've had uh, a lot of problems, and rightfully so, where they are now kind of scattered through the United States trying to hide from the government because – they want to continue to intermarry. But the problem is that because of them intermarrying, there's been a recessive mm-hmm. gene that has been passed down surprise, and surprise. has made a – yeah, no, really weird. Like, huh. Um, it's almost like West Virginia. <laughs> but, uh, so careful. The, uh, careful. I'm sorry. Was that, was that my indoor <laughs> voice? <laughs> so, but, um, you know, all kidding aside – and Fermi's disease in particular is being handled, handed down with this in this community. And what happens is that when somebody is born with Fermi's disease, they need 24-hour care for their entire mm-hmm. life from birth mm-hmm. to death. And they will live you know, to adulthood. So the problem that I have with that is the FLDS, the Fundamental uh, LDS Church, puts in for federal Medicaid dollars – that you and I pay for mm. to take care of the people that they know because they've wanted to literally marry gotcha. their sisters. And it drives yep. me nutty. That drives me and, nutty. And then too. there's also – and mm. a couple of weeks back, I uh, played my first episode back because I was traveling and, and I'll do a best of show. And even at my first episode, I said that I'm not going to spend a lot of time banging on the Catholic Church because that's the low-hanging fruit. That's easy to do. And – I don't even remember saying that until I'd listened to that episode, you know, three, four years later, wherever it was. And I still try and stick to that. But every now and then I'm like, sorry, I can't pass this one up. And it might be, you know, just covering a news story about, you know, a particular parish or a particular priest or my favorite, <laughs> the uh, the mm-hmm. member of the Southern Baptist Convention um. who tried to. To, yeah, who tried to uh, hook up and get a little bit of a date, a little bit of side action with somebody's dog Ugh. via Craigslist. I'm not making Ugh. this up. Oh, my God. Exactly. So that's the kind of stuff that I cover. But So I do a news segment like that. I do a church Yelp review, which, by the way, are hysterical. You should mm-hmm. go read some church Yelp reviews. And then I do my strip mall church of the week, which is a segment, which is a news segment, but I like to do about a, a five to ten minute introduction for the community of that that is the host community for that church, and that's where I get into my big history dive because um, I read a lot and frequently I know a lot about the community before I even do it, but if not, you know, spending a, a day or so just kind of reading up on some of the oddball. History stuff um, is pretty mm-hmm. fascinating, and I like to provide that introduction. That's, I did uh, French Lick was one of my strip mall churches of the week. That's why I brought that up when you and I were talking okay. earlier. Um, can't remember who was being arrested there or for what. Somebody was whatever it is. It, it all yeah, it all blends together oh, after a while. Yeah, I can see that. So that's okay. what I do, and then uh, about once a quarter, I get hate mail from somebody of you know. Why do you hate Jesus? And I'm just like, that's not what I'm doing here. So <laughs> that is the, clearly everybody should listen to that. That is, it's really a very entertaining podcast. It's different from what you would expect. Yeah. On Sundays, right? Yeah. It comes out uh, Sunday. I try and get it out about nine o'clock okay. Western time, Pacific time, you know, noon, noon or thereabouts. Okay. Um, there, 
this week is going to be a regular show. I'm, I'm going to try to get a regular show out for the week after, but I might not be able to because I'm going to be on the road uh, before it and you know getting home at Sunday and then trying to get a show out just doesn't tend to work for me. Yeah. We'll see. He's much more organized than I am in every <laughs> in every imaginable way. Uh, do you and not to want to detour back to what we were doing here originally, but uh, what's your <laughs> Uh, we have two more things left on our little on our little questionnaire here about yeah, that other about you wrote that something down you, you show say I'm organized you wrote it about down. that other show. oh I can't do anything if I don't write stuff down then it gets even more pitiful than what you're currently experiencing um what do you as far as Twitter goes so you're saying actually I think we already talked to some degree about this so. Matthew, not really a huge Twitter or social media fan necessarily. Um, do you use Twitter for anything other than more or less successfully hooking up with new followers? Do you, do you use it for news gathering or for, for anything else? I do. I actually, uh, one of the nice things is the, uh, the news links that come out. Uh, you learn very quickly which ones are worth reading, which ones are not worth reading. And uh, I I probably get the bulk of my written news uh, from links off of Twitter. I would think. I re- mm-hmm. I guess in fairness, I think I probably read Twitter a lot more than I interact on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So he's more of a lurker. Melissa, what do you use your Twitter for? Um, I specifically do Twitter for after listening to Julie talk about the Pooligans and so I like I mm. I guess politics, the political aspects of it, but. I don't get into any of the back and forth. I just read so that I'm more informed about what's going on more or less in the world and in the political world. Uh, I listen to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, not a, Julie always has the round table on Fridays, but <clears throat> Joshua, whatever his last name is, on NPR's 1A has a political mm-hmm. round table uh, from 10 to 12 my time and the first hour of it is national and the second hour of it is international and by the time i have listened mm. to those three on friday i feel like i know where i need to focus my attention uh for the next week um, and then of course julie's show mm-hmm. is every day and um yeah i guess it's my reading the newspaper because I used to be a very avid newspaper yeah. reader, and um, I don't get the newspapers anymore. Um, I do them online, but I don't like reading online as on my laptop like I like opening a newspaper. So I guess they serve as my newspaper. That's the best thing I can say. Does either one of you have any favorite press pool moments or guests? Oh, wow. I- Yes, Matthew. I asked that question, and you <laughs> will be required going, to answer it. That's it's like right. uh, I really like it. I really like it when Julie's on. Uh huh. Yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, Matthew, <laughs> think about. Please carefully consider your answer. We're going to go with <laughs> Melissa, who has answers to this question. Melissa, w- <laughs> do you have any favorite press pool moments or guests? I still think my favorite moment is the one that hooked me on Julie to begin with, the interview with Jimmy Williams from um, mm-hmm. Decode DC. Uh, favorite guests, obviously, are Tracy and Doug. They always make me laugh. Mm-hmm. I really like Ward Carroll. 
I really like Major yeah, Garrett. Great one. I really like Shaggy. Uh, A.B. Stoddard, Abby, A.B. Stoddard, she was on today on the Reporters, a Reporters Roundtable. She, and, um, she was great. Uh, Wasn't she has she great? really interesting insight into a lot of different issues. Um, and then mm-hmm. um, what Carol Lee, I couldn't think of her name there for a minute. Um, yeah. I really like listening to her. So and and their interaction that's they will make me laugh when she's on with Julie and they drop the Carol Lee reporter stuff and she becomes Carol Lee the friend yeah bff bff carol lee is extremely entertaining yeah, i think i think that uh, steve shigaris is the same way you can tell that they have a history outside of being in the studio and you know their rapport is well charming to say the least it's really mm-hmm. quite nice mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, he's he's a Shaggy fan. Well, Melissa said something also, which I thought was kind of interesting just a moment ago. She was talking about how she liked to read the newspaper, the the local newspaper. No, not and the no, no, about that no, not the local newspaper, the Post, okay, Washington Post. You, no, you <laughs> touched the sore spot. Not the local newspaper. Okay, let me rephrase my question, Your even, Honor. No, and even though the no, local newspaper leans Democratic. That's not the one I'm talking about. <laughs> the the point I was trying to make was uh, that it, that recently came up uh, with the death of the local newspaper uh, in in distribution yes. and readership uh, being taken over by mm-hmm. there's your clock uh, being taken over by the national news the cable news networks and how that's unfortunate and I think that's probably a very true statement. I got thinking about even the newspapers that I can remember growing up outside of Albany, New York. You know, they were a big deal on Sunday. And when I lived in Manhattan, I mean, the Sunday New York Times was the size of a phone book, a yep. metropolitan phone book. And now they're just not on, on, on either side of it. And that's it is unfortunate. unfortunate. Hmm. And you go back to Julie's just recently had a discussion about it. We talked about it tonight, the lack of intellectual curiosity. I think a lot of it has to do also with the demise of the local newspapers. Well, yeah, and it, that also might even fold into the whole uh, mentality of you know I, instantaneous news. I mean, you can turn on, you know, pick your yeah. your favorite news channel yep. right now, and it will be literally the same story hashed over for twenty four hours by every single host and every single you know. And you're not going to learn anything new at ten o'clock in the morning than you do at four o'clock yep. in the afternoon on that same story. It's also slanted where to me, at least what I remember from reading newspapers and I've only stopped reading newspapers in the last 12 years. They, I don't remember them being slanted like the news channels are. Yes. The Washington examiner was more right leaning and the Washington post was more left leaning, Mm -hmm. but they weren't so right and left leaning as MSNBC and Fox news are. Well, no, because that that's not supposed to be a feature of journalism. That's a feature of punditry. Yes. Correct. Yeah, but I mean, by the same token, it's like, you know, on my news feed on my phone, one of the few apps I know how to use, uh, the uh, – I'm <laughs> not kidding. Congratulations, Matthew. <laughs> it's like I can fly an airplane high enough to see the curvature of the earth. But Hey, like, everybody has their own skills. So that, that being said, the uh, – you know, I've actually got to the point where I've blocked out Fox News and the Washington Examiner, and it's not because um, that I think that their reporting is necessarily inaccurate, but it's so bombastic mm-hmm. and 
so over the top with opinion versus mm-hmm. well, you said punditry versus actual facts. It's like it just drives me nutty. It's like I, I can't even read it. I won't uh, turn it on. Yeah. It will. Well, every now and then I turn on Fox News oh, in the morning barf. just to see. No it. way. <laughs> just to see oh, what's oh, going no. on. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Well, so here's the thing. So I, I flew for a number of years for a living. And when you're flying small, like business jets and so on, you, you fly into any airport and they always have the pilot's lounge. And the pilot's lounge um, will have, you know, like the big, you know, comfortable sofas because you could be there for six, eight, right. 10, 12 hours. Uh, but there's always a television on in 99, 99.999% of the time it's yep. on Fox News. That's because the guy that got there before you is some big old, you know, Texas wearing cowboy hat guy, and he's got to watch his Fox News, and I'm just like, I'm going to be out here. I'll be reading. <laughs> I'll be over there. But that's in my part of the country. You go to the gyms, um, any of those places where they have those, the um, where they offer you television to keep your mind doing something. They're all tuned to Fox right. News. That's that amazes me. That absolutely amazes me. I remember one of our other pooligans the other day reported that to her great delight, one of her, one of the televisions at the gym was tuned to CNN. This came as a great surprise. Yeah, that would be a surprise to me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, yeah, well, she, she's, she's in Alabama. So ah. there, there well, you go. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the spell with an R, right? Alabama? Mm-hmm. Alabama. I'm, I'm terrible at accents. I'm not going to do that again. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I have. So now we're going to go into another segment of our show. This one is called the. And I actually don't know where this is going to lead. It, this time I'm I'm truly uh, flying blind, so to speak. It is called Adam's Pet Survey for one of our other uh, pooligans, Adam Reisner. Uh, we started that on that show to try and see what kind of pets we have in the in the Pooligans community, do either one of you have any pets? I don't currently have pets. I mean, I've always had pets, I'm both a cat and a dog person. Um, I even right behind me over my left shoulder is a doggy door that goes out to a yard with an invisible fence. But my dog died a year ago, October, and I have really bad arthritis that doesn't allow me to walk or stand uh, for any length of time or distance. And so it would be cruel to bring another dog in when I can't exercise mm-hmm. them and I can't have cats because both my son and my son-in-law, who both grew up with cats, now proclaim that they are allergic to them. So mm. You can get a hairless no, cat. No, thank you. Those are say. the ugliest things I've ever seen. <laughs> No, very. I don't sweet. care. Have you ever held one? Have you held? I one, don't Melissa? even know anybody around here that would have one. It's just they're so ugly. They I can't. Are, I can't get just... past the ugly part of them. They are. Sweet. They may be, they and I, sweet. you know, I really like cats, but I just can't mm-hmm. do ugly. You know, not not that mm-hmm. much. Sorry, sorry, hairless yeah. cats. I would love to have a pet. I would love to have a pet. You know, I live by myself and it's somebody who loves you no matter what. And they listen to you get mad and cry or whatever. And they still love you and they're not judgmental. But right now I don't have them. Dad, that's right. They don't judge you if that's you're right. hairless. Hey, how did you know? Cats obviously judge everyone. I mean, they do. Cats you're talking are, about me being hairless, but okay. Cats, uh, well, I, I am too. It's just something we have in common, Matthew. <laughs> 
I am not hairless. I lucky I know, you, Melissa. I know. Do you have any pets, Matthew? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I have a, a coonhound, oh, red cool. coonhound. You have a oh, you nice. have a you have a redneck dog. It's worse than that, but yes, <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that in a minute. And then your dog, uh, your dog is a racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's a she she's a diva. <laughs> oh yeah, well. <laughs> and then well, uh, we have uh, Reno, who's also the. Uh, uh, a lab coon mix. So the story on on uh, Lily, the the red dog, mm. was we were sitting in a bar because, well, as they say, no good story said starts with I was having a shower. <laughs> so sitting in a bar, true, and, <laughs> true, true, true. and uh, talking to the bartender, and you know the conversation was along the lines of, you know, uh, we just got this dog, and you know, we should get another one or whatever. He's like, you want a dog? I got one. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. Tried to teach her to to hunt raccoons, but she's just not taken. So if you want her, you can have her. She's chained up out back and gave me his address. And he goes, and he goes, if she's not there, but her collar's still attached to the to the cable, that just means she's escaped. So just well, give her a call. Oh She'll gosh. come. No to, way. To what this day, <laughs> to this day, that dog is an escape artist. It's like if you come home, you know, and you put the car in the garage, for example, you have to watch the garage door close the entire way because that dog, who's like a 70-pound dog, will be like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, under the yep. door and gone. She doesn't go anywhere. She's, then she'll just stand out front. You're like, Aww. she's dumb. That's not dumb. That's smart no. as hell. <laughs> Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, she she likes to Mission Impossible the thing a little bit. I think that's very admirable. <laughs> yeah, she well, t- totally like dodge between the lasers and yeah. Talking about the the hairless thing the other day, or mm-hmm. the other day, just a moment ago. Um, I used to live in Manhattan, the city, part of New York, mm-hmm. the Empire State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that. I live. <laughs> one morning, I, I come down. I think I was getting my dry cleaning or something. I don't really remember. I lived on top of a three-story walk-up brownstone, and I come down and come out my front door, and they are filming in literally like on my stoop um, an episode of the of the TV show Kojak mm-hmm. when they had like some reboot mm-hmm. of it. You know, back in probably I guess the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So hairless. So I look across the street and I see the the New York City police car and there's two actors dressed up like uniformed policemen and then there's Telly Savalas and I'm looking at the back of him as they are filming and the the policemen are doing their dialogue or whatever and I go and I pick up my dry cleaning and I come back in and they're still filming and I look over and again I see Telly Savalas and the two policemen and by the way I'm talking with my hands right now um, mm. <laughs> and then as I as I turn to walk back into my apartment there's Telly Savalas sitting in his chair. They actually had a, a stunt head stand in for him when they didn't need to see his face on TV. That's so what you get. That's what you get for being Tally Savalas. Yeah, yeah, huh. stand in for there, sure. There's my bald story for the night. That's mm-hmm. a good bald story. I I like that, it, and it actually does make it easier. You just have to find somebody who's bald and has the same shape of head from behind to do the over the shoulder. Yep. He's just got to eat his candy in peace. Uh, suck his sucker. Like, yeah. I sh- um. How about that shutdown? Uh, how do you feel about the way that that just resolved, Melissa? Do you feel like we talked about mm-hmm. it very briefly earlier? Where do you think we're going to land like 15 days from now? 
will we be staring at the at the edge of another calamity or are we done with this and and we'll be moving forward well i would like to think that mitch mcconnell has awakened and has seen the light and is not going to let trump i don't know Mm. what the word is that i won't um fuck it up one more time I think he sat back and just sort of rubbed his hands going, uh-huh, you're going to really fall in it, and I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. Um, I don't, I don't want him to do that anymore. Um, he's a very clever person. I think he goes for the long range plan. Um, Whoop, there I'm back. Uh, so I just don't know. Um, I don't know what to expect. I just hope it we don't go into another one because the government employees do not deserve that. I don't think that we will. I think it would really make everything plunge for the Republicans uh, be a, a PR disaster. Well, you heard uh, A.B. Stoddard's analysis of that today. And yeah. I think she yeah. echoed I what you just she, said, yeah. that McConnell now was like... That that just the the kinds of people that the the senators that he appointed yes. to yes. the panel that is meant to come to some sort of conclusion led her to believe that McConnell was really done with this and had no no desire to put the the, the Jim Jordans and the and the Tom yes. Cottons on that uh, into that situation where you would end up with more animosity and and some other yes I had forgotten about her so, analysis but I did agree with what she mm-hmm. had to say today what about you matthew where do you think we're gonna go 15 days from now what kind of situation in in your opinion will we be looking at so <laughs> so i think there's two different there's two different possible scenarios on the shutdown on, on where we move forward one is that um trump claims victory no uh, matter what sent yeah. to him and it just mm-hmm. goes away and it never again mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the other one, which I'm actually kind of fast, well, actually, there's going to be a third one. I just want to throw in at the end. But it's going to be fascinating to see if uh, he does shut down the government again, uh, because what happened today with the air traffic controllers will not take 30 days to happen. It will happen the next day, and it's amazing how that that happened on a Friday when all these congressmen and senators want to fly home. Yep. Yep. Amazing. So what that's a coincidence. A- and yeah. I wonder why it took them so damn long to. Get that idea. You know, two Fridays ago would have been really good, too. Yeah. The problem is, and again, because as I, I phrase it, the shot, I don't call it the federal government. I call it the shopping mall. Working for the shopping mall as long as I did, um, there is a serious devotion to duty. I, that everybody I used has to work for the government. I know, is, too. Yep. Right. And it's just weird to explain to people that don't have that experience. Um, and it's not so much the duty that you have to the American citizenry, but it's the duty that you have to the guy that you just relieved on that watch or on that station or whatever it is, or the guy that's going to show up and have to pull your weight as well. That's really what suffers and and drives a lot of the people to do that. So Mm -hmm. so that's why I think that it'll be an overnight. um, You want to see a traffic jam, traffic jam. You think Chris Christie can can close (laughs) down a bridge. It'll be nothing. It'll be nothing compared to these guys. So I think that's the most likely scenario. But I think what I want to have happen, because I thrive on chaos, what I want to have happen is Trump be an infantile baby. I know that's a stretch, but just for this one scenario, I want you to imagine that. Mm -hmm. So 
and then really hard. I was gonna exactly. So then, what he'll do is, you know, he'll get sent something that absolutely positively has nothing in it for any sort of wall barrier, fence, moat, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he decides the next day he's going to sign it because he doesn't want to jam these guys up. And then he decides that he's going to invoke emergency powers or whatever he thinks he has in order to build the wall. Now, two things happen after that. Number one, it immediately goes into a litigious uh, review. It's going to be sued all day long, and he's not going to get a single penny of it. Because, again, remember the Congress is where the money comes from. But the other side of the argument is also that he will turn right around to his 31% red hat wearing retards and Mm -hmm. say, I did it. I built our wall. And none of these humps have ever been to the border. They've never been out of their own damn county. So they have no way to know whether or not there's been a, uh, a wall built. And they'll accept it. It's the truth. The, the problem is that Ann Coulter is going to tell them. Yeah. She was so, great today. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I liked Cernovich, too. Cernovich was – did you read Cernovich's tweet? No. Cernovich, Mike Cernovich was like, the president is broken. He is over. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Somebody, <laughs> nobody bought extended warranty. And that's it. That's, he's, but, he's, but, he's so broken. We're just going to discard it right here and now. That's done. Yeah. Well, I, and I hate, hate to be the bringer of bad news, the bearer of bad news here. Um, if Trump leaves office prematurely, we, we're left with some worse, who's worse yes, on different I topics. Agree. You know, but, but at least the only positive thing I can say is that Mr. Pence would be consistent and obvious in his motives. Yes. I disagree with all of them, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be as erratic. And I also don't think that he would do everything in his power um, to placate the Kremlin. Oh, definitely not. Now. So there's yeah. that. But yeah. how but does, if he, you're, if you're how does gay, he live with himself? Pence? Uh, no, Jesus. I'm talking about <laughs> suborning yeah. oh. Trump stuff. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no! It all makes perfect sense, and and I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not going to get into this to try and be a jerk, uh, you know, really. But you're, you're talking about a group of people who specifically subscribe to the theory that the world is coming to an end, and when it does, it is a good thing because you're going to heaven. That's it, right? It's the apocalypse. This is exactly their mandate. So if why do you think they moved the embassy to Jerusalem? That yeah, that, that is yeah, biblical text. So that's going to get scary, them into heaven scary, better, scary faster. Phenomenon. Right, because you can't no. because the apocalypse can't come until the Jews are in control of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is the the capital, and therefore yep. that's why they do it. It's all tied around this completely twisted uh, uh, devotion to a, a peculiar book of plagiarism. Interesting. We've we've now hit Matthew's. Matthew's sweet spot as far as topics go. <laughs> we've landed. We've land, ended up landing exactly where we needed to be for Matthew to shine. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, I mean that's that's really what it boils down to, and that's that's more frightening when you have. And I've had this conversation again as a professional pilot, the uh, with friends who are are, are faithful members of whatever particular mm-hmm. faith it, it be. And my point is, is do you want somebody who's driving your airplane? to be a person of faith who knows that when they die, they go to heaven? Or do you want somebody up front that's driving the airplane that's going to do absolutely everything they can to save that aircraft and the, the crew and the passengers because they know that this is all they've got? Mm. To me, it's a, it's a really obvious answer. But I've never had anybody say they wanted the atheist flying the airplane. Really? <laughs> Not once. They want, they want the person who well, knows they're going I, to heaven? Yeah. 
they they want somebody who knows when they die it's going to be better. Well, because I think they they don't really take that into consideration. They consider the idea that somebody who serves Jesus and turns the other cheek and has these strong beliefs in making the world a better place. I guess it says that somewhere in the New Testament. And uh, and, and who believes who believes really, in okay. longer, it, who <laughs> believes in certain well, I know I, I was being facetious, <laughs> but who 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 believes in certain values i mean it, it's not like christians as a whole are bad or evil uh, based based on the idea that they're christian but there is certainly you know as there is in all fundamentalist uh, religions I think you're there, exactly there, right yeah there's an aspect to it which 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 reaches a level that gets uh, that gets scary. No, I think that that's a fair statement, and I think that goes across any religion, no matter right. what it is. Exactly. Um, if you take a look at uh, again any any religion or any piece of faith as it is um, submitted today, as this is what we believe and this is what we want to do, mm. they're all very very good. The problem is is that they're not consistent with what the original. Uh, uh, tomes the books actually said they should do mm-hmm. um and that's one of the things that somewhat is frustrating which is not a topic for this podcast but the uh, you know the values that that people believe they are following are mm-hmm. indisputably good i was gonna say they don't follow them they just mm-hmm. they just give lip service to them that is correct and by the way i i blame uh by the way this is getting back to the politics side um mm-hmm. I blame the uh, division, divisiveness that we have in American politics today 100% on Newt Gingrich and his contract on America and the total war Sherman-esque um, approach that he has to politics and how people still follow it today. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Obama was given endless grief for his for his beliefs, was called a Muslim, was called all kinds of other things, uh, and had to put up with that over the entirety of his presidency and before and after. And then we have Donald Trump, who the evangelicals have decided is uh, truly a paragon oh. of Christian values. Now now I'm at the I'm at the WTF 10 rate thing with that statement. <laughs> Sorry. That Sorry, just Melissa. chaps my rear end to no end. You do know that Mr. Obama is black and Mr. Trump yes, is I not. Yes, I do. I mean, well, yeah. he's technically orange. Yeah, of course. you don't suppose that could have anything to do oh, with it, do you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, who who knows? Yeah, probably probably not. I mean, that's we've we we've had a black president, so clearly racism is dead. <laughs> so that is good. <laughs> that, that I'm is a good sorry, thing that I we lived learned. in red country for eight years during that, and that was definitely a false statement mm. you just made there. My dear friends, we are now at one hour and fifty five minutes of this podcast. So and it's getting late for Melissa over there on the East Coast. Sort of, uh, no doubt. Yeah, it's eleven. It's not too bad, right? Well, I generally tomorrow. don't go to bed till mm-hmm. one something. So, oh, does that mean that you can give me today's lottery numbers for tomorrow? Uh, oh, <laughs> Ooh, nice. Yes, <laughs> especially power. If you're playing Powerball, I, she can. It's like yeah, one has travel. to one has to have... play in order to win, and I never can remember to play. No, now Melissa, think about this logically. The odds of you winning the lottery are 50-50 because either you win mm-hmm. or you Along don't. Along with a gazillion other people. That is exactly what the lottery would like you to think. Along with a gazillion <laughs> yeah. other people, right. Yeah. I actually I actually played a lottery relatively, relatively, uh, but I, you know what? I do it the way that you do it on Facebook. 
uh, Matthew. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I only play the lottery when it's over 200 million because otherwise Perfect. I don't bother. Well, the funny thing is I live in a state that has legalized gambling and prostitution, but they don't have a legal lottery. If I want to buy a lottery ticket, I have to go to California. Wow. Well, I guess they would like you to uh, come to the strip. Well, uh, obviously uh, more money can be made in prostitution than in, in lottery. Hey, we just elected a yeah, dead pimp. I remember that, yes. That was an amazing yep. story. That's just one of those amazing stories that just faded into nothingness, sadly. Well, let me give you, because uh, we are getting up on that two-hour mark, but I'll give you the yeah. real quick rundown on Dennis Hoff, who died. Um, right. Most people do know that he is or was you know, the owner of the Bunny Ranch brothels and the Alien brothels and a bunch of other ones. Um, but the, the most fantastic thing and one of the things that I appreciated about him more than most people in, in the public eye is that his entire MO, his entire being, was being in the face of whoever was in power. It made no difference. Um, you could be a, an athlete. You can be a, a news person or a governor or president or whatever. He was absolutely in your face about it because he knew that your values when the doors are closed and whatever you're going to do in your private life are the same as everybody else's, although you may try and be pious about it. So – when we had we have a lot of wildfires out here, as, as I'm sure that you know. And about two or three years ago, there was one, uh, I think it was called the Little Valley Fire, not too far from where I live. And, I mean, I was going in. Um, I was working, again, for the shopping mall at the time. And 4 o'clock in the morning, I step outside, and the entire sky was orange glowing mm -hmm. fire. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. And there had been a smaller fire about halfway between this one's about 12 15 miles away uh but there had been a smaller fire the night before in in the nearby town and it was one of those things like wow i would have thought they had it out by now well they did i was actually looking at the glow from a fire literally you know 12 15 miles away anyway dennis hoff lost his house in that fire um as it turned out the forestry service the state forestry service had been doing a controlled burn and they didn't put it out properly and a week later High winds fanned some embers and it, and it reignited. It went down the valley and I think that it took out 30 homes, but whatever it was, it was significant. And these were not, these were not like tenements. These were multi-million dollar mansions, including Hoffs. So our governor at the time, <laughs> Brian Sandoval, a relatively nice guy, uh, Hoff gets is interviewed on the news like the next day and he looks into the camera and says, Brian, addressing the governor, Brian, if what I heard is true, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out his wallet and he slaps it in his hand twice. He says, you better get out your checkbook. I'm like, Ooh. I love that guy. <laughs> sure enough, they, yeah. they wanted, it turned out it was the uh, forestry's fault and they're still suing over it. Well, Hoff isn't obviously because he's dead, but they're mm -hmm. still suing over who's going to pay for these people's houses that they lost because the forestry service uh, uh, effed up. And, you know, I knew that the chief forester for the state, really great guy. And he told me, he goes, yeah, I knew that I was going to have to resign when that happened, but it happened under my watch. It's weird when you have people that are willing to accept responsibility for their actions in government. Weird. That's that making a mistake. Yeah. That we started out yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, yeah. Thank you, Melissa. Good callback. That is excellent. Speaking of making a mistake, it's now almost. We're going it, to be listening to eleven bongs in just a minute. Oh, there it I, goes. I was. I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for the bongs, Melissa. Make it, it bong. There we go. And and as we're being bonged out, 
in in style. Um, I would like to thank my two guests. Uh, of course, you will follow them both, even though Matthew will not follow <laughs> on Facebook. You will only follow him on Twitter. You can follow him at Crime for God on Twitter. He is Apostle Matthew. And uh, you will also follow our guest with no limits on her fellowship, uh, Melissa Druff. You can follow her at Druff, M-D-R-U-F-F, like French fries, and the letter M. I want to thank you both so much for a really, really entertaining episode. Thank you. Well, thank you very yes. much for having us. Melissa, it's yes, been wonderful to hang out with you. Absolutely, same here. And I'll follow you back on Sunday, I promise. <laughs> we'll do on it Twitter. again sometime. 